We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith podcast. I'm Charlotte Robson, joined today by Norman Riley and Mark Corby. International break. What the hell are we going to talk about? Well, we've prepped you a show and hopefully it'll be a good one. We are going to talk about managerial debuts today, given that next weekend at home to Brentford is Eddie Howe's first game in charge of our team we thought it might be well Norman thought actually that it might be a good idea and we all agree that um that we look back at managerial debuts uh spanning Newcastle United's uh history don't worry we're not going to go to go, go back too far but we are going to go back and start with Ossie Ardiles so um so I, as you can probably imagine, I'm not going to say a lot about this. I'm going to ask some questions. I'm going to let these two talk a lot about it. And I'm going to learn like you're all going to learn with me. And then as we get into the more recent history for Newcastle, I'm sure I will be able to opine a little bit more uh, interestingly on on those debuts. So I shan't talk anymore. Norman, do you want to talk Ozzy Ardiles and his first game against Bristol Rovers. Aye, so Ozzy Ardiles, I was just thinking, how old were you, Charlotte, when this, this was really like 90, what, actually late 1990, Mark, right? Late 1990. Um, it was 91, so it's 30 was, years gone. Aye, yeah. it, was, uh, it, was, it was 91, it was like sort of the tail end of the 91s, 1991 season, wasn't it? Aye, um, so how old would you be, Charlotte? I was two. So you've got no, you've got no recollection of Ozzy arriving? No. That's I it. have very a very good memory but this one escapes that. No, no, two years old. I mean, that would be phenomenal if you did. Um, <laughs> two uh, years old and plugged into like Newcastle United manager changes. That would have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, so uh, our dealers came in after um, Jim Smith had, had been sacked because obviously Smith, you could say that he took her out of the first division, the Premier League, and the second division. We got relegated, and. You know, he had what he had more than half a season really in terms of games, didn't he? In the top flight mark, and we still got relegated, but there was a lot of changes. Maybe I personally think that we got relegated that season because he came in and tried to make too many changes too quickly. Um, but you know, that's a discussion for another time. In pre season, again, he he kind of re revolutionized the squad in 89 90. We just missed out on promotion via the playoffs. Um, 1991, not a bad start of the season. I think we won my first three games, beat Plymouth, beat Blackburn. Possibly lost to Millwall, so maybe the first two, but something like three out of four. And things weren't going too badly, but it was an aging squad, a really aging squad. And Smith 
wasn't necessarily too keen on bringing through the younger lads because that you know what would have been the academy at the time was producing some real talent in terms of people like Lee Clark. Um, he gave Steve Watson his debut, obviously, Mark didn't he? Um, Smith did, and you had Steve Howie there who would have been a centre forward at the time, Alan Thompson, Lee Mickle, a lot, a lot of these good players, Robbie Elliott, and it just it just wasn't happening for Smith at all. And I think it got to the stage where we were starting to sing Smith out in the stadium, weren't we? And our deal is the previous season, or possibly the season. Well, I'm getting get me dates confused. Yeah, you know, Mark. 1991, our dealers came in, didn't he? He came in in 1991, but like, yeah. So, so 89, 90, Swindon had beaten Sunderland in the playoff finals under our dealers, and you know, otherwise you would go up into the top flight. And then it turns out that Lou Macari, that manager prior to our dealers, had been betting on his own team to um, lose matches and. One of those games was interestingly enough a five 0 defeat in Newcastle in the FA Cup. Um, so, My first game. There you go. There you go. There you go. There it is. Yes, yeah, so a, cor- a corrupt game of football. Um, but the so Swindon were then demoted back, um, and there was actually at the time they were being threatened with being relegated as opposed to just being demoted back into Division Two. They were going to put them in Division Three. And what the league did in all of its wisdom was say, well, we'll promote Sunderland instead because they got beat in the playoff final rather than Newcastle finished third. However, I'm not bitter about that. Um, mm, I think, well, uh, well I th- I mean, and I think what happened for Smith was, I think it was one of those where he had taken the club to the absolute maximum that he possibly could. And it just, it, it was horrible. The football was turgid. He brought in players like Neil Simpson and Scott Sloan who were never going to really improve the squad at all. And it just wasn't working out. And our dealers came in and you thought, you know what? It hasn't gone really well from its swing in this season, but they've had a lot going on behind the scenes, as we as we say. And he'll play attractive football. And then the first game against Bristol Rovers was absolutely shite, wasn't it, Mark? Well, the last game um, that he managed was against Newcastle a few days before um, before Easter. And it was a, a typical swing. Because our dealers played entertaining football, as would would come to see uh, throughout his career. But... Um, but yeah, the, the, so we managed to uh, steal him basically from Swindon. He brought uh, Tony Galvin with him, didn't he, Norman, the, uh, the right. assistant manager? And um, there was a big buzz in the air because, as you say, Smith had probably reached he had you know the end of the road really. Um, as you say, there was an aging squad that was injury prone. He had to rely on the youngsters at some point. He, he did actually give Clark his debut um, earlier on that season, but he wasn't a permanent uh, fixture. Where Steve Watson, who was seventeen at the time, just come from nowhere. And he was our standout player. That said it all. Um, but yeah, all has come in. And I remember the attendances had dropped to around about around about 13, 14,000. It was it was pretty poor. And um his first game we expected to there'll be a huge uh, increase in, in, in numbers. But I think only about seventeen thousand turned up and um he, he sort of got paraded on the um on the pitch beforehand and it was yeah, yeah, we'll go. But we're not, not gonna get promoted, it's too late now for the playoffs, but we'll, you know, we can start rebuilding. And then Bristol Rovers, um, I think it might have even been the first time we've we'll, we'll played them in our history, apart from the the, the away fixture. The absolutely battle with Toonhill. <laughs> it was just like, shit, you know what I mean? This is just, it's going nowhere. Um, but then a couple of games later, he decided to drop all the players and he just went to the, the he went to the ranks. He brought, he, he made Clark a, a permanent midfielder, built his team around Lee Clark, uh, Robbie Elliott come in, Watson was a permanent fixture. As, as Norman said, Lee Maple, David Roach, Alan Thompson, they were all given an opportunity. So, you know, it was, it was a it was a, a shocking day, and the season just we're trying to find our feet for the rest of that season. Well, I think we only won a couple of games, but um, it was just an awful season. Um, everywhere around 
around football. There was a boom with attendances, apart from Newcastle. Newcastle were just on a slide. Um, there was still a battle against the board. You know, they were trying to get uh, John Hall to be the majority shareholder. But our dealers, it still give you hope going up the following season. I am interested in the idea of this manager uh, sort of it being a bad start like that because it really doesn't get worse. Um, this idea of a manager then like thinking, all right, scrap the whole team and let's build out a new team. Norman, what did you think at the time? Were you behind that idea oh. or do you think this guy's crazy? No, I loved it. Absolutely loved it because it was quite obvious that the performances on the pitch, the players just weren't, weren't at the races anymore, right? You know, as we see, we had... Um, aging squad. You had players like Mark McGee there, Roy Yatkin, um, and it just wasn't. It just wasn't working anymore. It wasn't working anymore. And for me, as a what I would have been at the time, 13, 14, Those players were only like two or three years older than me, four years older than me. You know, they were all Jordies as well. So straight away, you just identify. You just identify yeah. with them immediately. And because they're Jordies and because they're like E, and you know, and these are like Jordy lads who are from like places like Walker, places like Walls End. You know, again, lads you can identify with, right? Because they're from. Areas that are socioeconomically similar to where I was from in Gateshead, where Mark, where Mark was from, you know, in in in, in Jarrah, it's in and that's in that's something that you that you felt, and it was like getting like that. He's, he, Clark, he's in the team, and Clark, you have to remember as well, was touted as being like the next big thing. You know, there was for a while he's like, you no, know, he's the next Gaza and everything like that. So it was dead exciting. And our dealers, I was, I remember playing. I was playing football for Reggie Boys Club at the time. And I remember we had an away game somewhere, and we had like the van, and while in the van. And we were, you know, we were singing like Smith out Aussie in, like, and we were dead happy because our dealers, you have to remember as well as a player. And again, yeah. this, you know, we're going to talk about Dalglish, Keegan, uh, Hullet. These were superstars. And Aussie, our dealers was a world class footballer, a superstar who won the World Cup with Argentina. So it was brilliant when he came in. And I think none of us were in any, any illusions that he was going to turn into a promotion winning squad straight away. But I think what he did, he was welcome because he very much gave us hope in a very, very dark time at the club. I mean, dark to the extent where one of his first games was Oxford United at home and we had attendance of 10,000. You know what I mean? That's, that's how that's how grim it was. So our dealers for me was someone that I, I greatly welcomed and I welcomed these changes as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, to kind of loop it back to, to what's going on now at the club and what's been going on for the last few years, obviously we've got hope in the form of um, new owners and investment and stuff as well, but there have been these these moments in time, haven't there, where hopes seems to have like abandoned the club, and then someone's come in, like an Ardiles, like a like a Rafa, and and represented something to fans that we really were missing. So it's interesting to hear you talking about that, and also I guess Eddie Howe, because either way he's talking about what he's going to do with our squad and what he plans to do eventually and all of that stuff, like after the couple of years that we've had, which unfortunately we were also going to talk about. Well, not in depth, don't worry. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about with our dealers about his first few games, how he got on, um, or shall we move on to his successor? I'll move on I, to think, I, think to give, I think to give our dealers his credit before we do move on is, um, you know, that the fans give him time. And as Norman said, they really believed in what he was trying to do. And you've got to remember as well, as, as you rightly say, Charlotte, it, it is so similar to, to today before the new owners where the, the, the club just wouldn't give the managers any money to spend. That was it. It was done. Yeah. And our dealers, to his credit, he, I think he was given about 250000 That's That summer to spend. And he, he bought in Franz Carr, a winger from Nottingham Forest, who was a, it was a decent player. But, um, you know... He, he, 
he was always up against it and but he was he was loyal to what he was trying to do right until the end um and for me i'll always be grateful for the fact that he he, he brought in these kids and a lot of them went on to have brilliant careers spot on spot on spot on and he also had the most like amazingly beautiful english accent as well when he yeah. spoke Argentine accent, when he spoke, have you ever i don't know if you've heard him speak charlotte but uh you should dig up some interviews with him because he's there uh, the way he speaks is just brilliant Oh, I definitely will. I love a good accent. Um, so Ardilet is succeeded by a little known man called Kevin Stephen. <laughs> um, oh, look, there he is. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see Mark is holding up a Keegan mug. If you are listening, I'm telling you, Mark's holding up a Keegan mug. Um, Kevin Keegan comes in. Norman, how did you feel about that? How did you feel about as as um just before Norman Norman's face there is taking it's being transported back. Um, Mark mentioned before about wanting Sir John Hall to be the majority shareholder and that kind of tension in the boardroom that had kind of gone through and then in comes Keegan. Norman, how do you, do you feel? Oh my God. I, like I've got to watch how I talk about this right, because I genuinely start welling up. Um, Keegan, they, I was at, I would have been at school and Mark, Mark will um, know the specifics better than me, but when it was announced, I'm pretty sure we would have been in school at the time because right? it was like a mid-afternoon announcement um, at the Newcastle Breweries, right? And we heard it, we just heard through the kind of rumour mill. Somebody obviously somewhere had gotten like a view of the Chronicle um, newspaper or one of the teachers might have got it and then told the people and it just got run, it got run school like, rapidly. And it was like Keegan is back. And bear in mind, I'd never seen Keegan play. I was just a bit slightly too young when he finished. But I knew of him. Like He was someone that your family spoke about, right? He was he was there. He was, he was a Newcastle legend, a bit like Jackie Milburn. Never saw him play, but you knew of him. Here we go again, never saw him play. I knew of him, Joe Harvey, etc. Keegan was one of those, right? In the buzz straight away, the buzz was just like, it, it was palpable, and this is amongst like school kids of fifteen years old. It was like just palpable buzz. And going to be his first match, I'd lost my granddad a few weeks earlier um, in January, and we got, I was I loved my granddad. I was close to him, right? Um, and I just remember being at this match and like, all that kind of emotion swirling around, and and seeing Keegan, just seeing him come out in the dugout like against Bristol City was oh, my, just you could just look at him and you think there's a super. You knew he was a superstar. You just you had the presence of, of a superstar. Um, and the atmosphere on that day just it went from being. I think Mark again may correct me, but oh, was his last home game. Might have been Charlton Athletic at home where we were three and up. We lost four three. That was that his was, last league game. Um, that was his last league game. But his last um, game was uh, Bournemouth in the cup. Oh, got, we lost on pens, didn't we? Yeah, I was at that as well. And I mean that was that was a, a freezing cold, miserable midweek night. And we went from that within the space of a few days to Kevin Keegan arriving at Newcastle United. And basically, Keegan's arrival was so important, so powerful that pre-social media days, right? Like the national press, he was on the nine o'clock news and on the ten o'clock news. Um I let I let Mark, Mark take over here before but you know before going to the game. But wow, what 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 a moment, Mark Man, eh? What a moment. Unbelievable. you know, there's always scenes in life where you remember where you were when you heard news and I was at school and um a Southern supporter come back from his dinner break. And he said, he told me, <laughs> he told me, he says, I've just seen it on teletext. <laughs> <laughs> I've just seen it on teletext. Or D-Les has been sacked. Kevin Keegan's a new manager. Now, if you, 30 years ago, it was just a diff, different world, different world altogether. Well, the whole classroom, that was it. There was a majority Newcastle support, as you know, and um, we were absolutely buzzing. But, you know, just to go back to our dealers, you know, you've got to remember that Bournemouth not well at the cup um, on penalties. Southend had put four pass one recently in a 4 0 drubbing. Oxford beat with 5-2. Um, Charlton beat with 4-3. Afterwards, 3 up, as Norman says. We were heading for relegation. Make no mistake about it. Um, so, even though people were disappointed to see him go, 
because uh, he never ever lost the support. The support was still yeah. right behind him. Yeah. Uh, they were turning their attention back to the board again and saying to John Hall, where's your money? You know, you've, you, you've took over the club and what's what's going on here? And um, and yeah, but when, when, when it was just, I think it was a Tuesday and by the time the Wednesday, Thursday kicked in, you knew that you had to either go and get a ticket from the ground for the next the, the game against Bristol City coming up or you, you knew you had to probably get up there 11, 12 o'clock to make sure you got in. You just sensed it was just going to take off. And um, there's, there's, there's a bit of a myth that Newcastle's attendance has doubled overnight. They, they didn't really. Average, it went up by about three or 4,000. You know, if you look at our dealers' attendance before he left, compared to Keegan's when he came in. But what there is some truth in that because with attendance against Charlton was about 14,000, 15,000. So it did double from the previous league game. But but it was great. It was just that the first day game you, you just you, everyone was waiting for him to come out the, the focus wasn't on the players wasn't on the team it was on Kevin Keegan and if you look at the footage now you can see him sort of coming out and reluctantly waving at the support and Terry McDermott's pushing him as if say this is about you this mate they're all here to see you get out there and say hello um the day the day couldn't have went any better Norman yeah oh, it was, I mean it was spectacular it was nil at half time in Bristol City went a bad side then they had a player up front called Bob Taylor I think who was um you know a decent goal scorer at that level Possibly Joe Jordan managing them, Mark, or had he begun by that point? Can't remember. I'll have to double check that. But um, one rare say, thing that Mark can't remember. There you go. Um, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you, didn't I? <laughs> um, the um, the uh, the goal scorers, like, and, and it's interesting because David Kelly got two of the goals, and he was magnificent that day. And David Kelly being magnificent, full stop. And um, Mark will Mark will have said this a few times on previous podcasts, but there were rumours that Ozzy Ordeal is again how good of a bloke he was. He put his hand in his own pocket and lent the money to the club to buy David Kelly, which is just an incredible thing to do, right? But it, you know, Kelly becomes this this Ordeal is signing and becomes such a pivotal player in Keegan's early days. And this first game, he bangs in two. Liam O'Brien, who's also who also plays a very important role in Keegan's sides. I mean, you know, the free kick against Sunderland being the like the kind of pinnacle of that. Um, and we went three nil and. It's the first time in years where I just felt, in fact, it was the first time I probably felt real optimism as a Newcastle fan. Because even under Smith, when we were doing all right in 1990, you never felt that would overtake Leeds, so it was always going to be a battle. But under Keane, I just thought straight off, we're, we're ready for liftoff, yeah. And, you know, it was a struggle. It was a decent start. It struggled for a bit, but we stayed up ultimately. And um, I, I'll, I'll never, that, that moment, that moment under Keegan in the ground for me was, was one of my greatest moments as a Newcastle fan, undoubtedly. I think there's, um, I'm just kind of tracking back ever so slightly to the announcement and the finding out because how different that is to today, <laughs> like, like rumors on social media, like the hashtags, like, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, teletext just reminds me of, um, being, we went to Egypt one Christmas when I was little and my dad watched the Boxing Day match on teletext, just watching it refresh and watching it. <laughs> but, um, I digress. The, I, I know that whenever we think about um, the past, there is a bit of rose-tinted glasses, there's nostalgia, there's like this. Keegan, I think, is probably the least sort of affected by rose-tinted glasses because it was such an amazing thing and like, and, and everything that came after was just, it's just this iconic part of our history. But I wonder, like, I don't know, like, do you think it's, did you, did you know that Ardiles was was on his way out? And did you think that it was, do, do you think now with hindsight that it's better that it's kind of just disseminated through a school in that way rather than all this rumours, all this sniping on social media? I think from my language, you can see what, what I think. Um, Mark, what just, do you think? 
Yeah, well, well um, John Hall had given Ardiles a vote of confidence a week earlier. Right, yeah. It was. Yeah, I know it means little in football now, but back then it was like, oh, what are you staying? We're going we're gonna to see it out. Um, I don't think any supporters thought they would get rid of Ardiles. I think the blame would have been firmly at the, at the board's door because they just weren't backing him. He, as I said earlier, he never really stood a chance. Um, and it, but something had to change because the supporters were starting to walk again. They were start the tenses were dropping, and the fact that we got knocked out of the cup by third division Bournemouth, as I mentioned before, the teams who were beating us regularly now, and we really needed a lift. And Christ, I mean, John Hall from nowhere managed to get that, and the fact that he brought Keegan in, he, he ultimately gave us probably the best five days of my support in life. And just to put it into context, you know, we've had the European games, Barcelona, we've had Bobby Robson years, Rafa years, etc. The last three games of that season, Derby away, when we got beat 4-1, by the way, but the support was in absolutely just incredible. And then with Portsmouth, as we mentioned before, so many times, Norman, David Kelly's goal with five minutes to go. It was I've never heard an eruption like it. And two of the stands weren't covered then. And in the last day of the season, last-minute winner, which... Ultimately confirmed we're up them three games. If I could bottle them three games, I would take them with us because everything else was just a bonus. It was just more on the, on an upward curve for years and years. But that that could have been disaster. So for me, the end of that season, particularly the three games, is probably the most enjoyable, but also frustrating, anxious. Every every word you can think of that that period was uh, probably the best time to be a Castle fan for me. Yeah, of course. It, it's all sort of it's all so personal, isn't it? And how you and and you were there and all of those things and all of those memories and your age and and where you are in your life and all of those things coming together to be that sort of perfect thing for you. It's it's really nice to hear about. Um, Norman, you said that his reception and Mark, you talked about his reception. Terry Max saying, "You're we will move on from Keegan, but Keegan deserves a bit more time." Let's be honest. Mm. Um. Uh, you know, this is all for you. Uh, are there other managers we're going to go through the others that you've seen that for? And, and do you expect that kind of support next Saturday? I mean, I think next Saturday is going to be absolutely wild. It's going to be vociferous, right? And, and look, there are a number of factors of play, right? The, the sheer desperation that we felt as a fan base over the last few years under Bruce, the fact that for the last three games we've had Graham Jones in charge, who isn't, isn't a manager as such. And we are, we are in a position now where we're just, Desperate, we're clinging to some sort of hope, and, and how brings that right? So that release on Saturday against Brentford is going to be—it's going to be huge, right? But and, and there's a lot more people there as well, right? You've got basically twice as many people in the stadium as well, obviously, and everything's magnified now because precisely because of the advent of social media, the internet. Like you know, if everything's just pumped around the world, this was like a second division game, you know, pre-internet days in front of thirty thousand fans, and. It made, as I say, it made the national news. It made the news at 10 and the 9 o'clock news. These are the programs that millions of people back then would have watched, right? People wouldn't get their news, you know, from feeds on, on Twitter or they could just log into a 24-hour news channel. It was like literally the only time the news was on. It was three or four points during the day and, and this game made it. So I think the noise will be huge uh, under Howe. But that precise moment under Keegan, Howe doesn't have the history that Keegan had before he arrived. So Keegan, it was like a living Newcastle United legend. So yes, it'll be epic for how, but it was a, it'll be a completely different kind of epic as, as it was for Keegan. You know, um, I, I would try, I'm trying to think now who look put it this way as loud as it's going to be for how. What I would say is, imagine if Rafa was coming back, it would probably be a different kind of outpouring yeah. of emotion, right? 
that makes total sense. That makes total sense. We unfortunately have to move on, but um, but plenty more to we'll we'll do more podcasts on this sort of thing. It's all very interesting. Keegan gave way to Kenny Dalgleish. Um, Norman's face. What did you What did you make of Dalglish's signing, Norman? Um, what did you make of his first few games in charge? I'm going to be very brief on Dalglish because I like to hear Mark rant about him. It's great. Um, yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I am. I, um, I genuinely thought that Dalglish, when Keegan left, right, devastated, devastated because I, everything we've spoken about. Don't need to go into any further. I, I just love Kevin Keegan. It's quite simple. Love the man. Um, but. You know, the cracks had started appearing, no two is about not necessarily in, in the team. I mean, look, the title the season before 95, 96, Shearer coming in, but we were still, you know, we were still a competitive side. Um, Mark was me and Mark were discussing off air before how maybe Keegan had, you know, taken the club or that set of players as far as he could possibly. Um, who knows? But Dalgleish comes in, he's won the league with Liverpool a couple of times, he's won cups with Liverpool, he won the league with Blackburn Rovers. In one of the biggest criticisms thrown against Keegan's Newcastle, despite the statistics not really bearing this out, was that defensively we weren't good enough to win the title. And Dalgleish comes in, you're thinking he has a more pragmatic manager, right? This is a manager who will not only kind of give us that solidity that we might need in these these, these sort of tipping point games, um, but also we've got the attack and flair to score goals, so it might be perfect. And Dalgleish comes in, and I must say I welcomed him with open arms, despite the fact I was devastated about Keegan, Mm. Well, being, he's been replaced with Kenny Dalglish, an absolute legend and a multi-trophy winning manager. So I, I can honestly say that I was, I was the pain I felt that Keegan leaving was slightly tempered by the fact that Dalglish arrived, and I was excited for the future. Don't know if Mark would agree with that. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't. I was excited when it was announced because we were linked with some randoms. I think Johan Cruyff was one. Um, oh. Obviously, Bobby Robson, um, who was you know going to. Committed his contract at um, at Barca. Um, I think even John Toshak was linked at the time as well. That's right. And it, it, I'm, Norman's right in what he's saying. Daglish was a superb manager, and he won, he won trophies. But I would put a, the, the flip side of that as he was backed ridiculously everywhere he went. Whereas I suppose Keegan was backed handsomely at Newcastle, but. The, the issue I had was the club made it clear that Keegan wasn't going to be backed anymore. Uh, it was a case of we're now floating as a PLC. We've got no more money to give you. You need to now make us some money. So you've got, you're losing a manager who had built that side. And, you know, unfortunately, we, we were second in the league, um, runners up. But then you, you were bringing someone in who had also been backed at Liverpool, at Blackburn. And he walked away from both clubs as well. He walked away from um, Liverpool. He, 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 the stress of Hillsborough, fair play. You know what he went through for Hillsborough. He went to all the the supporters' funerals and things like that. You know you, you cannot you cannot knock him for that. But he walked away from the football club. Then six months later, he was manager of Blackburn, and then he walked away from Blackburn when they had won the league. He said, "That's as far as I can take them. I've won the league. There's no fair play." You know, I, I get that, but I, I, I question the loyalty side of it. Um, you know, but 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 for me, I think he got off to a. An indifferent start, Norm, didn't he? Because we're, we're scraped past Charlton in the Cup. We lost the league game against Southampton. Forrest knocked out the Cup. We won a few games, but I think the difficult thing for, for Daglish was following Keegan. It was a little bit like Bruce following Rafa. It's an almost impossible job. You know, Keegan had the farm base. And one, yeah, of, one of my fun. memories is, um, yeah, one, one of my memories is at Anfield. We're down there. It was the second 4-3 game. 3-0 down. And a supporter ran from the away and it, 
um in through that, that strip took a strip off and hoided it um it daglish the game's going on and it was pretty embarrassing to be honest probably uh, no toys out with the pram situation but that was the problem he had he, he, he had to win over the supporters quickly and we weren't seeing the style of football that we're playing even though we're winning the odd game four nil three one etc some games that were boring nil nils and it was such a contrast from keegan where he was going to have a very difficult job for me norman spawn absolutely spot. I, get, I get that like i completely get that um i suppose ultimately my initial optimism with dalgleish it, it it was rewarded eventually because we're getting the champions league right and at that point you're thinking oh this is this is brilliant we're gonna like i genuinely thought at the end of the 96 97 season we're gonna win the league next season and um how wrong i was <laughs> We um, will move on. It's very interesting, isn't it? It's very difficult, you know, it's, it, when you've got a tough act to follow, when the circumstances have changed. So it's not just you're following Keegan, you're going to be backed, as you say, with a load of money. It's circumstances are different. Circumstances are going to be very different now for how, because we had, we've had an owner for the past 14 years who has barely spent. And now we've got owners who I don't think they want to spend frivolously. That's a hard way to say, isn't it? Um, but um, they do want to spend. They want to invest. They keep saying it. And we're told that there's this part of money. Um, all right, then. Dalgleish to Hullet, I believe. Um, Norman, what was your what was your feel on Hullet's appointment? What was your feel on his first game? I think it was an away game. Absolutely delighted when Hullet was announced manager because it had gotten so bad under Dalgleish, like turgid. It, weirdly, weirdly, after the 97-98 season where the only saving grace was getting to the cup final where we were absolutely humiliated by Arsenal, by the way. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, and Arsenal at that point were... I mean, that, that Arsenal team from 97-98 is still one of the best I've ever seen, I think. Um, especially with the 4-4-2 formation back as it was back then. They were just, they were just brilliant, right? But... The season, the football itself, that whole season, 97-8, it was just, oh, it was so bad. And Dalglish has given so quite a bit of... So bad so quickly, wasn't it? Sorry to interrupt you, but it went so bad so oh, quick. They, 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 almost, almost over the summer. Like, it, it just it was incredible. The the summer, 97-98, it was just incredible what he must have been doing on the training ground to get them to reverse that spectacularly is beyond me. Um, there'll be books written about it in years to come. Um, the, uh, the whole... Announcement. It was very odd because, as I said, Dalgleish was backed in the summer. Um, he brought in Didi Haman. He brought in Nobby Solano, possibly a couple of others who um, Mark will definitely remember, but I don't right now. Um, and uh, and then he was sacked after two games. But the one he was sacked after was a really good away draw at Chelsea, one all. Um, and Chelsea were a good side. I think Viola was a manager at that point. But um, Hullet had done okay. At Chelsea. He'd, he'd taken over from Hoddle. He'd been player manager. He won a trophy, the FA Cup, first overseas manager in the FA Cup, if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. And he was again much like Dalglish, much like Keegan, much like Ardiles, a superstar of world football. I mean, Hullet was he was like for me, he was like the European Maradona for, to a certain extent at the end of the 80s. He was that good, right? Um, and he comes in making the big promises of sexy football, and you're thinking we're going to be this is great, this is absolutely great. We're going to be dead entertaining. We've got Rud Hullet in charge. Our profile again is going to go give even higher. Um, and his first game, he was in the stands for a 4-1 hammering at home by Liverpool. I think Michael Owen might have got a hat record, got all four goals, Mark. Um, and um, then his first game was a 1-0 defeat away against Villa. But after that, Hamad Southampton 4-0, beat Partizan in the Cup and his Cup. Hamad Coventry 5-1 and beat Forrest 2-0, went to third top. And at that point, I was thinking, Rudd Hullard's black and white army. We're laughing. 
I am. Um, my dad was so excited that this is this is the mood. This is how it went. It went so sour so quickly. But my dad was so excited at Hullet's appointment that by the time I got home from school that day, I think it was a Friday, um, I had a shirt with Hullet on the back waiting for me. Um, he'd left work early and gone to the club shop. He was so excited by it. I can't believe how quick things turned around. Um, do you want to, Mark, do you want to opine on Hullet's first couple of games? Um, very briefly, and then we'll move on from him. Yeah, just a quick one on Daglish. It's ironic, isn't it? He was brought in to make the club money, and he spent more than he actually brought in. So when you think about <laughs> it, you're, you're right in what you're saying, Charlotte. It changed so quickly that we went from being a, an excellent football side into a turgid one, to quote Norman, and he spent a fortune managing to do that. He sold the wrong yeah. players. He bought wrong players. He left, to be fair, he left Hullet with a, a, a very, very mediocre squad, bar a few players, Gary Speed, Alan Shearer, Rob Lee, Shea Given, etc. Um, but look, we'll, we'll hold it. It was a little bit like, a little bit like, I don't know, we haven't got Daglish anymore. I was going to back them regardless. Um, and he got, as Norm said, he got to a cracking start. Unfortunately, he just didn't uh, continue that way. So from Hullet, now we move to Sir Bobby. Uh, came in. Pretty good start for Sir Bobby, would you say, Norman? I mean, the, the Chelsea game away was a really difficult place to start. Actually, just quickly on um, on Dalgish, mate, was terrible. I just got popped in my head there. Thought quickly, it's um, you know, when, when Dolly Parton said um, it costs a lot, you cost a lot of money to look this cheap. Yeah. Like for Dalgish, it was like, it cost a lot of money to make us this shit. So there you go. <laughs> um, uh, but um, there we go. Dalgish and Dolly Parton, two people I never thought I'd say in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> so it really took really tough game away to um. Chelsea. Chelsea, who were yeah. a good side at the time, full of international, Azul, excellent side. Um, lost one, another tight game at the Leboeuf penalty, if I remember correctly. And I remember the, um, the NUFC lads, um, so whoever wrote the report, either Biffer or Naila, whoever it was, writing the report said that he, he kind of wished that would gone a bit harder against Chelsea in the last sort of 20 minutes. We didn't, and I, and I actually thought myself at the time, one little way to Chelsea, given how poor we've been this season under, under Hullet, it's not like the worst result in the world. Um, but the home game against Sheffield, I mean... It's fairy tales, right? It's fairy tales. And, and Bobby Robson, ultimately, my memories of Bobby Robson on the 1990 World Cup, that was the kind of first time I really formulated strong opinions on him. And, and, and look, he was held in very high regard. He's a legend again. Another le Yet another legend. This is, the, this, is the, this is the club at the time, you know, for all of the criticisms of, of you know, the Holes and Shepard, ambition levels-wise. I mean, they went out and they tried to get the best, right? That's what they did. And uh, Robson, even though he was in his 60s at this point, Early 60s, mind was still one of the best. I mean, he'd been managing Barcelona, top teams yeah. in Portugal, PSV Eindhoven, and that 8 0 game was just, I mean, it'll never, it'll never, it'll never disintegrate from my memory uh, as long as I live. And Mark, when, when Robson was announced, what was, where were you? Is this another one of those things where you can remember? Unfortunately, not because I think at this age I was drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was a student, I was drinking a lot then. But one thing, one thing. Obviously, obviously, it was it was great. Again, if you fast forward twelve months from Daglish to Hullet and Hullet to Robson, Hullet left the club in a bigger mess because not only had he had he not yeah. improved the squad, he had ripped apart the dressing room. The morale was shocking. Yeah. Shearer wanted to leave. Everyone knows the story. I dropped Robert League. Don't even give him a squad number and all that. And it was just shocking. I mean, we did a podcast with Jamie McLean and, and Owen Peterson, a friend of mine, eighteen months or so ago. Them loved Dag, um, Daglish. They loved Hullet because ultimately. They, they wanted to build build the academy and they were giving youth a chance. But but Hullet was buying the dressing room. You give Jamie McLennan a five-year contract. You give David Baharol a five-year contract. 
these weren't no offense to the lads these weren't worthy of that at that point in their career they were kids mm -hmm. so um but yeah robson coming in one thing i two things i remember about robson was the first game of chelsea as norman says it wasn't just newcastle they were buzzing chelsea supporters gave him an unbelievable right. ovation when he when he come out and um and the other thing was i always remember there's a picture of Shearer and ferguson kicking off kicking off the game and you can see they both look massive. That big lads, anyway. Ferguson's a unit, but they're shaking hands. It's a great picture, and as if to say, we've got rid of that bastard. Let's get on with our careers now. And it's it's a it's a lasting image in my head. If we can find it, it'll be a great one for the pod because it's it, it just summed it up. We've got rid of the, like a little bit little bit like now, you know. We've got rid of the dead. We've got rid of the dead beats, the horrible people that all piss off and we move on with our lives, you know. Um, but Robson, brilliant in his norms. That ain't Come on, eight nil in your first home game, bloody hell! That was it. We just lifted off from there. Ridiculous. Yeah. The form, the form between them in the end of the season under Robson was incredible. If you look at the points per game ratio, and you look at some of the performances, beating Spurs six one at home in the cup, Chef Weddy, and as we said, Man U three nil at home when Duncan Ferguson yeah. scored, frankly one of the most outrageous volleys I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it was it, that season, despite the fact we finished eleventh, for me was actually one of, in recent memory, probably one of my favourites, just because when Robson came in after that, we did. We, it was just entertaining again, and um, I and look ultimately can't can't say anything negative about Bobby Robson. I loved his tenure at Newcastle, and I loved him as a, as a manager. So, aye, brilliant, brilliant announcement, and one that'll live long in the memory. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that it was a, it was an evening game. Was it a Wednesday? The that Sheffield game? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday on TV. Sunday. Yeah, uh, I think I watched. I remember watching it on, TV, it on TV. I think. I don't know what there was uh, it's that one or another one but i'm sure it was that because i feel like i was in our old living room watching it and my dad was at the match and i remember being like oh it'll be like i was like being daft like oh it'll be like eight or nine nil or something um after probably about four and my mom was like absolutely not that never happens and it they just kept going in and I'm, I'm sure i remember that maybe it was the radio maybe i'm remembering the way imagine if that was um imagine if that was like yeah you took your kid to the match for the first time at the age of four or five and it's like yeah it's not like this all the time, son. Well, well, I, I think I think Charlotte was watching it on Teletext and she just won't admit it. And, uh, <laughs> but but Norman, my, my first game was 5 0 and it ended up stopping Newcastle getting promoted a couple of years later, didn't it? So hey, well, there you go. Mine was a 4 0 defeat, so happy days. Oh well, start as you mean to go on. Um, all right, Robson to Sunas. Um, obviously, you know, not there for a long time, but uh, Norman, that was a Southampton away, was his first game. I look a win against Southampton away, which was you know in itself a miracle, really, because you know we hadn't beaten them in the Dell for years. This was the new stadium, admittedly, but still it was away from home. We beat them in under uh, Robson in the cup, but not in the league game for Yonks. However, that wasn't important. What I will see is when Sunes was announced manager, I was devastated, like, devastated. I remember thinking, "That's it, like we we're on a downward spiral. This man is a bad manager and a bad person. His record at Blackburn in the latter days, they were like I think they might be bottom of the table." And interestingly enough. The interim game that John Carver took um, charge of was against Sunes's Blackburn. Sunes had just left. We battered them 3 0, and they were shocking. I mean, they were shocking in that Blackburn team that we beat 3 0. How poorly they were, how poorly they played, basically became Sunes and Newcastle by the end. I was, yeah, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but I was genuinely devastated when Sunes came in. Like, I think you've nailed it, mate. Um, I don't think he left Blackburn. I think he was. I think Blackburn rubbed their hands. The fact that we actually paid to take him off because he was going to be sacked. Mm. He was he was awful. He had a history of um, falling out with big players. You know, um, 
Dwight York, Andy Cole. Um, going back to his Liverpool managerial days, he fell out with Peter Biazzi and sold him. You know, it's just how can you fall out with Peter Biazzi? But but no, underwhelmed. Um, we played, I think it was West Bromley's first home game, and I was on a stag day up in Edinburgh. And I remember sitting in a bar full of Newcastle and Sun supporters. I think we were waiting for our train coming back home. Must have went for a Thursday, Friday, or something, something like that. And I remember the goals going in. I didn't even celebrate. I wasn't, but I just thought this is this is just doesn't sit right for me. Mm. And um, you know, he got off to a very very good start. We did, we, we did well, but again, another manager who probably got longer than he than he should have done. And in, in the process, he, he ripped apart the dressing room and sold Robert. So Bellamy, he fell out with players, he, he disciplinarian, but in the wrong era. His attitude and his managerial style should have been left behind in the in the early nineties. You know, and a decade later, he was still trying to do that. Um, underwhelmed, and unfortunately, as with Steve Bruce, we were proven right and not want him at the football club. Yeah, that's an interesting parallel, isn't it, with uh, with our recent times. Um, we will continue this, um, zoom through uh, the, the next few managers after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. <laughs> um, all right, we've... We've covered off Sunas. Nobody wanted him there. Nobody liked him. Not the greatest time for us. Straight into Glenn Rodet, who took over as caretaker. Norman, how did you feel about that? Absolute relief. Yeah. Massive relief. Yeah. Sunas Gannon, I guess, was how I felt when Bruce went. It's this. It, it didn't actually matter who's coming in. It's just the fact that they're not the manager anymore, which is what I'm buzzing about, right? And look, Glenn Rodet. I'd seen him play a few times um, in his latter days at Newcastle. He captained the club. He was very well, like universally liked within the world, football and world, right? Um, he'd done a very good job at West Ham, in my opinion. Very unlucky to get relegated. He had, you know, um, the the, uh, the brain illness. Was it a, a tumour he had, perhaps? Yeah, um, that's right. And, you know, he'd, he'd come back from that. He was in the academy. And 
everything changed overnight. So Rura being announced, it wasn't like, oh, get in, it's Glenn Rudd, I'm out on the moon. He's a brilliant manager. It was like, I'm so glad Sunes has gone. Glenn Rudd is very likeable. And he had he had a he had a wonderful start because his first game was Alan Shearer breaking the record against Portsmouth. It was it was a monumental occasion. Yeah, I think I said caretaker there. That's not what I meant. Um, Mark, what was your um, what was your what was your feel? Pretty much as Norman said, you know, I remember being at uh, Man City. Um, the pre- was it the previous season? It was because we got beat three 0 didn't we? Norman a couple of weeks before Sooners got sacked, or it might be his last game. But even the year before that, it was around about February time. We played a one-one draw, um, and I, I just didn't hate him, and I was singing Sooners out. And I nearly got chinned because of it. And it was just awful. And that continued in the following season. I remember Wigan Reserves not out the League Cup. I was down there that night, soon as out again. People were going shut up and all that. And I get it. You don't want to be that annoying arsehole who's just chanting negative stuff about the football club. But it wasn't about the club. It was about Sooners. I, I couldn't stand the bloke. As Norman said, huge relief. I totally agree with what Norman said. It didn't matter who was in charge. Um, Rora come in. And I think Shearer was helping along the way, wasn't he, Norman? Um, Shearer sort of played a... Because you've got to remember, Rora was promoted overnight from the academy. He was looking after the kids. Yeah. Um, fantastic first game. Obviously, Shira said that was probably his, his finest moment in a black and white shirt because of the, the atmosphere. Huge relief. We continued, the, you know, we progressed overnight and somehow we managed to finish, you know, in a, in a total cup spot, which doesn't sound great because back then we used to the UEFA Cup, the Cup Runners Cup, Champions League, but we would have took that because we were going down on as soon as simple as that. Yeah. No doubt, absolutely spot on. Um, his second game against Villa away, we I was I went to Villa Park. We won two one. Had a man sent off, but the the togetherness was there straight off. Sunes had fractured the squad. You know there were divisions within the squad. Nobody wanted to play with him. Ruda came in. He was just that that calm presence. And um, me and Mark have done a controversial opinions podcast on Glenn Ruda's tenure at Newcastle. If uh, listeners want to go and dig that out, in which I defend his record as Newcastle United manager. However, we're not going to that right now. Listen That's to it awesome. if you want. There's also a great one which I send out to our new patrons. If you're not a patron, have a have a little be a patron. <laughs> Just have a little be a patron. That normal sentence. Um, but there's a lovely one that I think you, Norman, and Alex did after Rhoda passed away last year. And um, what was it this year? Uh, the the last couple of years have blended into one. Um, okay, so from him, we'll ignore Pearson and we'll move on to Keegan Part Two. Um, definitely, no, you know, we're definitely ignoring Allardyce. Definitely ignoring Allardyce. Yeah, yeah, we'll ignore Allardyce. I don't want to talk about that. Um, Keegan, part two. How did you feel, Norman, when he was coming back? Was he rumoured? Were you excited? Did you think it was a good idea? What was your thinking? It wasn't rumoured. Um, did I think it was a good idea? Mm, difficult one to say. When he when he was announced, when he was announced for me, and, and Mark, it might be the same for Mark, it might be the same for you know fans of a certain generation. To me, it didn't matter that he'd been at the game for years. Just didn't matter. It was Keegan. All I, all I could, all I could think was just Keegan's come back. Keegan and like, I remember walking home from work because I found no one was at work, and I was working at the University of Essex at the time. And I just remember walking down the steps from the campus, and all I had in my head was, um, um, it was just Keegan, Keegan, Keegan. It was just repeatedly going round in my head. I was absolutely delighted, purely from a romantic perspective. Just absolutely delighted. I didn't, I didn't think none, none of the, none of the, as I say, none of the football element came in. It was just like it's Kevin Keegan. I'm happy with this. I'm happy with this. Is it, you know, misty-eyed, nostalgic, whatever you want to call it. And then I, I think the similar thing for Mark, given he's today drinking out of a Keegan mug. Um, but Mark, nostalgia, did that give way to any doubt when his his start 
his second start w- wasn't that good. To be perfectly honest with you, Charlotte, I wasn't as excited. I had me doubts straight away. The club was unrecognisable. It was unrecognisable. And I'm getting booed by Norman, uh, by the way. <laughs> um, I just I, I had an instant doubts because Keegan has always done well in his career for getting what he wants. And I think it was probably obvious that Ashley was not going to just bankroll this football club. Um, he did. He did with the wrong guy, by the way. With Allardyce, he gave him a fortune, and he he balls that up. Um, it, it was quite worrying when we went on that um, that that winless run when he first arrived. But then he 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 did a master's rule by putting Mike Lone behind the front two, and you know Mike Lone had lost a couple of yards of pace and we played like a four three three, and it was it was brilliant. It wasn't the entertainers, but it was it was most enjoyable. And you know, for the, the amount of stick that. Owen's got for his time at Newcastle. He still scored two goals. That made we beat Sunderland two 0 You know, and anyone who scores against uh, the Macams in a victory should be held in high regard. Unfortunately, Owen's not. But just that period, I, I just think when I look back now, I wish it never happened. I just wish it never happened because it, it's not it's not tarnished me, me me feelings for Kings. I absolutely adore the fella, but I just wish that little blip because what you got to remember as well is the following year obviously got relegated, but. A lot of people say Newcastle should never have sacked Sam Allardyce because then they wouldn't have went down. It's like, piss off, man. It was 18 months later we got relegated. You know what I mean? But, but yeah, I, I didn't really share Norman's excitement. I wasn't too bothered that we had sacked Allardyce, man, because I couldn't stand the bloke. Um, but I don't know. In, in hindsight, it's easy to say. But the trouble was on the walls, um, you know, straight away because he, um, he wanted Jonathan Woodgate and the club went behind his back and after Woodgate had agreed terms with Kevin Keegan, um, I think it was Lambias went and spoke to these agencies. No, he's not, um, you, you know, we're not going to match his wages and he ended up going to Spurs. And that was probably the writing on the wall straight away for Keegan. And it's, it's um, the, the initial excitement, you could just see straight away, we've got trouble here. And within, what, eight months normally he was gone. And it's, it's just sad that it ended that way. Yeah. And it gave, sorry, Norman, do you want to go ahead? No, no, I was, I was just going to say spot on. Um, I, I think I regret him coming back from the perspective of how we, how we Ashley treated him ultimately, right? The, the disgraceful treatment of of anyone ultimately that you're employing, right? Which is what it was. I mean, you know, he took him to a tribunal, got him done by constructive dismissal and got money out of him, right? Yeah. But for it to be Kevin Keegan, for for like that that early on in, in, in Ashley's like tenure to completely sour the relationship with Keegan, but also uh, that has like an irreversible effect on what the fans think, you're right, immediately. I mean, because the fans love Keegan. I don't think Ashley quite appreciated it. However, what we'll see is White Hart Lane when we beat Spurs 4-1. I'm glad he came back because like lamping them at White Hart Lane in these in the second win, I think it was after he beat Fulham a week before for his first win and his tenth game back was brilliant. That, that was Keegan. That was like for me, that was like a window into the past when like over Femi Martins mark with Duke and Michael Loma just absolutely tearing Spurs apart. So there are there are of course good memories within all of that. And then and then Keegan leaving, and obviously that was it was just it just gave way to a bit of a clusterfuck really for for a good little while sorry for my language um it, i mean perfect description though it i mean you just have to look at that it was just it was just a mess um we're not going to go into all of the the small this like the shearer the 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 carver i do not want to talk about john carver um norman no, no, I was um, just going to say we're not, we're not going. I was just, I was just unmuting. There was a noise, there was a noise in the background, so I just oh, unmuted. Okay. It doesn't mean I want to make a point, but you know, I mean, I always make a point, but no, not this time. 
Well, let's. I'm just going to jump us straight to the next sort of. It was a. It was a mess. It was all over the place. She was also another person treated terribly. Hutton not treated terribly well either. I really like Chris Hutton. Um, and then Alan Pardew. Enter Alan Pardew. Um, Mark, I'll come to you because you're kind of shaking your head a little bit there. You're sighing. You don't look happy. What was your mood when Pardew was announced as our manager? Just to sum it up as quickly as I can, we'd lost. Well, Sakharis Hutner was a well-liked bloke at the club. Yeah. Um, fair enough. He wasn't going to win us anything, but he, he rebuilt the, um, the the squad. He re rebuilt the dressing room after all the the, the car crash, which was the, the relegation season. He sat. He got sacked, and the fact that they went to a, a manager, well, a, a, a bloke who previously managed in the third tier of English football to come to a Premier League club, you smelt a rat straight away. You you, you just smelt it. There's something not right about this. And obviously there was rumours that he owed Mike Ashley money um, yeah. and he was going to be coming in on pennies to pay, pay this off, allegedly. Um, and and, and typically, he won his first game against uh, Liverpool and were absolutely destroyed Liverpool. It was a, a proper coming together uh, performance. But what I loved about it was Joey Barton's interview at the end. When he said that was for Chris, oh, as if to say, "All right, mate, you're here. We don't want you here. We want Chris Hutton, but that was for Chris." And you know, it's ironic, isn't it? That a couple years later, we'll be Chelsea and uh, Alan Pardew went. That was for Mike, so maybe that was his way of getting back at us. But didn't like the bloke. Um, I think a lot of his, uh, I think a lot of his his runs were were, were pathetic. But the the instant reaction of when he arrived, you know, in, in bear in mind as well, Norman. That 4-4 draw against Arsenal was under his first five or six games. And for me, as great as it was to come back, I still look back and go, but it was under Alan Pardew. <laughs> you know? But there were, there were some, and, and we're trying to keep, keep it sort of to debuts really rather than yeah. going into it, but it's hard to not to get sucked into this conversation, isn't it? There were some really good runs under Pardew. There were some really mm. good games. Um, there was there was Europe for, for a bit. Uh, Norman... What was your mood like? Did you think it was a concert? It's so interesting, isn't it, how um, far away we are now in the space of this like month, six week period from we've hired a manager because he owes our owner money in gambling debt to like we've done our due diligence and we think Eddie Howe's the best, the best uh, candidate for this role. I mean, it's it's worlds away, isn't it? But um, how did you feel? Were you excited about Pardew? Were you not? What did you think? No, he's shaking his head. Oh my god, I like gigantically underwhelmed, almost as un underwhelmed and surprised as I felt when Joe Kinney was announced as manager. Like to the point where it's like, nah, that's not right. When you finally, when I found out Joe Kinney was manager through a text from me, I was like, nah, that's not right. You pulled my leg. Pardew, I was in Chile at the time. I was in, I was in, I was away for a weekend because I was living in Santiago, but I went away for a weekend to Valparaiso on the on the coast. And beautiful place. And I've been necking, necking wine all weekend. They do these things called um, terremoto. It means earthquake. And it's basically a glass of red wine with a scoop of vanilla ice cream in the top. And honestly, it gets you absolutely wrecked. It's a, it, I can't even explain the taste of it. It's outrageous, especially when it's really hot as well. But this kid came into this hostel I was sitting. He was like, oh, so yeah, you've got Alan Pardew. And I was like, I was like what? And yeah. um, and uh, it turns out that he was he was my manager. And um, that particular night that we beat Liverpool 3-1, Andy Carroll was at the pinnacle of his Newcastle performances yes. at this point. I mean, he went to Liverpool for 35 million a few weeks later, right? Mm. Um, that particular night, I was walking down the street with my girlfriend at the time, arguing. 
and there'd obviously been some excavation work going on and there weren't any signs around it and I fell down a pit about um <laughs> about four feet down a pit and um basically uh ripped all the side of me ribs and that was on the day of Alan Pardew's debut against Liverpool and to a be honest sign of things to come Say exactly that, exactly that. So now, massively underwhelmed, and yeah, uh, for the reasons Mark said as well, just didn't necessarily take the man. Yeah, and then he gave way. I keep saying gave way, just like the ground underneath Norman in Chile. Um, we're not going to talk. Um, Steve McLaren came in. Um, Mark nodding your head. The, the fact that, that yeah, the the, the fact that. He, he he had Derby as good as promoted. I know it's premature to say that, but they were as good as promoted as early as January, February. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there was a suggestion that Newcastle wanted McLaren and Derby all of a sudden just collapsed. And I can't remember, no, I could be wrong. They may have made the playoffs, but balls it up. Or they might have just not made the you know. But the fact that... Finished just outside, didn't they? I think I think they finished like 7th or 8th, yeah. The, so they fell away. Charlie wanted him, and I think he got knocked back at first, but he kept going back for him. And everyone was just, is this for real? Is this the best we can get? And I don't I don't buy into it. Oh, he was a great assistant manager at Man United. He did really well at Middlesbrough and won them a trophy. I don't buy into that. He just wasn't a suit for Newcastle United at that point. And... You know, his first, his first, I think his interview, I think that might have been a time where they had preferred media partners, Norman, and the interviews were like, this is ridiculous. Why are they not speaking to the, you know, the general media? And um, it was just a proper head head scratcher. You know, where are we going? What is this football club about now? Why is Mike Ashley doing this to us? And <laughs> the first game against Southampton, it was actually a decent performance in a, in a 2-2 yeah. goal against Southampton. Um, he had, he had he, I think, Wijnaldum, you had signed. Uh, he was given yeah. Mitrovic a little bit like the Joel Linton thing with Steve Bruce. He didn't, he didn't want him. He was given him, you know. Um, it looked half decent, um, but well, Steve McLaren should never have got the job at Newcastle. And um, even even that, you know, that six-two victory over Norwich, people have had so so many crap cracks. And um, I was just very very pleased that eventually the, the board acted, you know, soon. To get yeah. rid of him, but it was it was too little, too late, wasn't it? Too, it was too late. It was the March, so it was Wijnaldum, and he was our most expensive signing to date. Can you like that all that time? All these players going out, like Andy Carroll, as you said, for thirty five million, seventeen and a half million, he'd cost us. That's how little we were putting into uh, signing signing players. Um, yeah, it was a good performance against Southampton. Very deceptive, <laughs> I think, of how things were going to be because it was quite front foot. All the, all the sort of, um, you know, all the writing about it. I, I was talking to Alex about it, and he was like, "That performance persuaded me to drive to Swansea the neck for the next match. <laughs> we were beaten. It was like the worst decision of my life." Um, but yeah, sort of this sort of air of cautious optimism, which I think we've also got now. Um, this sort of cautious optimism, like this is this this could be good. I think we might be playing front foot football. I think we might be doing that. I don't, for the record, I don't think that this new manager is going to go the same way as uh, McLaren. Just just to be clear, but um, but it is it's that sort of it's those parallels, isn't it? That I find very interesting, and the way you spoke after the match about like, um, you know, it, it's very t- like. 
McLaren, I'm very mindful of time, so we'll move on in a second. But um, McLaren talked about like it being a great game, and Southampton had, uh, forgive me, I can't remember his name, but it was the brother of their normal manager because their manager was out um, in hospital, um, saying that wasn't good enough, we should have won. And we had McLaren saying, what a brilliant game. And I was like, God, the parallels between kind of our most recent manager and comments like that are very interesting. Um, McLaren got sacked, obviously, needed needed to be. Um, and in came Rafa Benitez. Norman, I'm going to come to you because this meant a lot to you. You know what? Probably the biggest shock in terms of it actually happening Um you know, Keegan, first time round, was a ball from the blue, a huge shock. Um, and, you know, you could argue that Keegan, the second time round, again, was a huge shock. The the arrival of the others was surprise, not not surprising, but like you got a buzz because, as I say, these were world-class players. But Newcastle United at that time, pre-Ashley, were in the market for these kinds of managers, right? It's what it's what, what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, Rafa, after all those years under Ashley, after Ashley naming Joe Kinnear as manager... After Ashley Neiman, Steve McLaren as manager, after giving John Carver virtually half a season as manager, Alan Pardew, for it to be Rafa Benitez, you're like, what? It, like, it, none of it made sense. And I remember I was living in, in Madrid the year that Rafa won the UEFA Cup of Valencia. He won the UEFA Cup and the league, um, La Liga in 2003-04. And I was in Spain that year. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, and the, the beat Liverpool, by the way, in the Champions League that year in Valencia. Sorry, that was... That was two or three um, when they beat Liverpool. And I was I was in Valencia at that time when Liverpool were playing. So it, it, this was someone I was really familiar with and someone I thought, I want to see him as new Newcastle manager one day. Subsequently went to Liverpool, moved on, never expected it. And when it happened, it was like, I genuinely was one. It was like, wow, just wow. How has this happened? It transpires that Rafa obviously approached the club. They've never approached him in a million years. But <laughs> still it was like, yeah, one of one of the biggest shocks and one of the most pleasing shocks I think I've had in my entire life as a, as a Newcastle fan. Like, Wow, Rafa Benitez. I remember just not believing it. Yeah. Just thinking, surely not. That can't be right. That can't exactly be that. right. We're like relegation fodder. Like, it was na- it was almost nailed on. And what was, like, lovely about that... So let's talk Let's talk about his first game. And then we'll move on to um, Steve Bruce, but we won't talk about much. Um, it was... Well, his first game was Leicester away, but it was only three days after his appointment was announced. So... We and we lost, and I just let's not dwell on that. I think what's interesting, particularly, is first home game as well, and we have focused a bit on that throughout this podcast, and that's what's exciting about next weekend as well. But um, first home game was a derby. Mark, do you recall? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that Leicester game, it was a it was a good performance. We would have got absolutely battered under um, under McLaren. So you're seeing signs straight away that he was going to have them well drilled, and. Um, the, the Sunderland game, again, it was a case of just don't lose. Don't lose. Mm. I thought it was far too early for Benitez to put his stamp on it, really. And uh, Mitrovic, a, a fellow who I just I just couldn't couldn't stand at Newcastle. I thought the fanfare for him was just unnecessary. But ironically, he scored the, the equaliser to you know, save us a point. Um, if we had to beat them, we would have stopped up. But, but yeah, I, I think I can't remember too much about the, the, the welcome. I know it was warm and it was you know very well received. It was me. It, yeah, it, it, it was more the, the, the build from there. It was like, I think, as Norman said, we couldn't believe what we had a manager like Rafa Benitez. So it was like, it, with the momentum and when you, you you bought into what he was saying, how he was talking, what his plans were, what he wanted to do, it was no surprise that come the end of the season that we pursued him to stay because we just wanted a, a little bit more of this. Um, yeah. But yeah, totally shock. 
Um, a very, very welcome appointment. Um, again, with, with a lot of this podcast, it's just sad that we ended up, you know, when you, when you had to walk. Yeah, and I, I watched um, in prep for this. I watched the post-match comments um, for, that Rafa gave after the derby because it was his first home game, and he said. Um, after the reception, seeing the fans in the street and in the stadium, I will do my best every single minute. And uh, <laughs> I know it doesn't make you want to cry, but this is what the fans are going to do. And I know that um, Eddie Howe has said, uh, you know, the fans like make as much noise as you can against Brentford because that that is going to that is going to spur on the players. And he's absolutely right. The, the 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 atmosphere that's given to a manager that is you know, liked and the squad that's trying, you're not even doing that well, but trying makes a hell of a lot of difference. So it's going to be really interesting and really exciting. I'm not going to be there next weekend, but it's going to be good to see what how it is. And then finally, we'll just touch on Steve Bruce's first game with a loss, which as you'll all recall, was Craig Hope's fault. Do you remember? <laughs> um, Craig Hope was blamed for that loss for being negative in the papers. Um, about Steve Bruce. None of us wanted him there. None of us were happy about that appointment. In fact, attendance dropped the first game of the season to 47,000 and then even further by the Christmas. They had to give away the 10,000 season tickets, if you recall. Um, so that, I think, indicates the reception to Steve Bruce pretty. Do you, do you know what was interesting when I was looking at this? Um, his first game was Joe Linton's first game and everybody was dead excited. They were like, he's showing real signs of like, there were some real opportunities there and, and uh, he paired up, didn't quite pair up with Miggy, but it took Perez and Rondon a few games to pair, link up properly. And we're really excited to see what will happen there. Uh, did not really pan out that way. Idiots. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bruce arrival was just for me. It was like that. That's that is well and truly the optimism that we felt underneath Rafa Benitez that had built up for a couple of years. The, the work in progress that the team was, the four 0 victory against Fulham on the last game of the season. That was it. Was just stymied. It was absolutely smashed to pieces in one fell swoop by the announcement of Steve Bruce's manager. I was truly devastated, and we did a numerous podcasts at the time saying this is just going to fall apart within a couple of seasons it'll fall apart and it did right it did um i remember we did an event in london the night before the fulham game and yeah. i think i said at that event that you know if rafa goes we'll end up with someone like steve bruce and i kind of said it tongue-in-cheek but you know it, it was kind of based on ashley's previous record rafa yeah. approached newcastle newcastle never approached rafa look at ashley's appointments steve bruce was of that ilk it was it was absolutely devastating and interesting enough you mentioned the first game against arsenal that game, if you recall, was sold as a well. It was quite a good performance. We're just a bit unlucky, and that was that was that was that was a start because that's just what it was like for the rest of his time in charge. Right, losing games, but apparently we played well for twenty minutes and were unlucky. Yeah, he did. He said for the first half, it was a good first half. Um, Mark, I'm sure you're nodding sagely there. I'm sure that you don't have a tremendous amount to add. Again, mindful of time. Thank you if you listened this far. <laughs> just, just, just a quick one. You know, I and sit here for hours talking about why I didn't want Steve Bruce as manager and we're sitting here today and we've been proven right. But ultimately, um, there was a planned boycott that game. Granted, it didn't really work. Um, but I remember standing in the strawberry 
if the, the, the cameras pan around to the, the, the ground, uh, the stadium, and I was devastated to see that, the, even though the bar was busy, that thousands had decided to go in, even though it was a planned boycott. Yeah. And the, se- the second thing on that is the fact that Newcastle had to give away 10,000 free season tickets. That speaks volumes. At that appointment not, not, was probably the the final nail in the coffin under Mike Ashley. Yeah. It was a horrific appointment, and I'm very, very pleased we don't have to put up with these bullshit anymore. And to round it off, we are now going into the second week of training with Eddie Howe, who has been drilling our players hard. They were p- training on the pitch on Saturday for the uh, for the international break. He has shouted himself hoarse. If you watched his um, uh, press conference, he was like, well, I'm hoarse because I've been shouting so much. This is an ambitious manager. This is an exciting time. And I'm sure that will give him a mint reception against Brentford next weekend. Um, I'm excited. Norman, are you excited about him? Very, very much so. I think, um, I was thinking of this before, if Howe had been announced under Mike Ashley, I'd have been happy. But it's the fact that Howe's been announced under an ambitious ownership. And unlike, you know, we referenced um, Steve McLaren and the performance against Southampton before, Steve McLaren was a a, a busted flush on a downward trajectory. Eddie, Eddie Howe is 43 years old. And his career is going to soar, and I'm, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see it pan out at Newcastle because I think it's going to be the start of something fantastic. Yeah, Mark again nodding sagely. Just no, a lot of sage nodding from Mark. There's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of optimism around Newcastle. I mean, even even last week when we're down Brighton, you know, there was a buzz about the the the, the, the pre-match. There was a fair enough. The match was horrific, but you know, you're still like, right, we've got a point. Let's let's move on. And how was it officially confirmed? You know, he's he's optimistic. He speaks well. You know, Christ, he's making the players train. What's that all about? You know what I mean? And, you know, and as Norman said, he's young. He's at the start of his managerial career. Fair enough, he's 10 years in or so. But, but this is the argument we had with so many pundits and journalists who were trying to tell us, well, why do you rate Graham Potter and not Steve Bruce when Steve Bruce has finished above Brighton and et cetera? Et cetera. Norman, Potter is at the start of his career. He's on the way up. He's on the way up. Steve Bruce has went up and up and up and he's been slowly coming back down. And for yeah. me, I think I'm so excited about seeing what the flags have got up, up their sleeve because apparently yeah. that's something ideal lined up. And it's it's nice to know that even though the media are telling us, by the way, that we don't want Eddie Howe, we're underwhelmed. It's delightful to know that come Saturday that they're all going to be proven wrong yet again. Cannot wait. Let's bring it on. Bring it on indeed. Well, that is us. That's our free podcast this week. Thanks for sticking with us. Nearly an hour and 10 minutes. I do apologise. I've overran. Um, but there's just so much to say. Um, we have a jam-packed week on Patreon this week because obviously we've got our Brentford game coming up. We have, we'll have we have match day for Brentford. We'll have the free podcast next weekend. Post-Brentford, post our first win of the season. I've got Probably no with Keith Gillespie, Keith Gillespie and Mark Corby. Probably with Keith Gillespie and Mark Corby. And I think Norman Riley as well. And um, all of that coming up on our Patreon platform um, and our free podcast next week. So thanks so much for sticking with us. We'll be back. Take Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.